Welcome to Headliners, the podcast. This is the paper review that won't put you to sleep. You can catch us live every night from 11 on GB News with a panel of top-notch comedians going through the biggest stories hitting the next day's papers. But don't worry, if you miss it, you can catch up here after every show. So let's do it. Welcome to Headliners. Hello and welcome to Headliners, a first look at tomorrow's papers. I'm Mark Dolan and it's a good job I'm sitting down because I'm properly excited to welcome <laughs> Headliners' favourite Dana Alexander and making his debut, the effervescent Tom Deacon. Uh, can I just say that the sexual excitement is quite focused on Tom? No disrespect, Dana, but it's been a long time and you've always been my man crush. How are you? Uh, very well. This is the first time I've heard that I'm your man crush, but, I, but I'll take it. It's a delight to be sat next to Dana as well, gigging not that long ago. So this is going to be nice to chat about the great reunion. With no masks. No masks. No yeah, masks. something different again. But um, yeah, Mark, this is nice. Well, look, it's great to see both of you. Lots of stories to get through. Let's start with tomorrow's front pages. And this is the Daily Mail. PM, working from home doesn't work. In a male interview, Boris Johnson demands millions get back to the office and he reveals 50 illegal migrants are set to go to Rwanda within two weeks. Also a photograph of the Queen on the front page of the Daily Mail, Royal Exclusive. On day of beaming Queen's majestic return, the truth about her and Diana, a major new biography by Andrew Morton. The Daily Telegraph next, Rhys Mogg's war on the three-day week for the civil service, and also Quasi Quarteng to class natural gas as green. Next up, The Guardian. Golden era of cheap food is over, households are told. The scale of the cost of living crisis has been revealed as two in five people cut back on groceries. FT Weekend. Musk puts $44 billion Twitter deal on hold over spam bot numbers and Trump administration lawyer advised UK on tearing up the Northern Ireland protocol. That's what I call the art of the deal. The Daily Mirror, the Mirror next. Uh, Colleen, our split up. Colleen Rooney tells court of marriage troubles after Wayne Rooney's arrest. Uh, Wayne Rooney was held for drink driving with another woman in the car. I didn't know how my marriage was going to work out. Queen's winning smile is also on the front page of the mirror. The Times next. And once again, our monarch uh, looking particularly jovial. Hot to trot. The Queen made a public appearance yesterday at the Royal Windsor Horse Show. Her horse, Balmoral Leia, was named Supreme Champion. Well, the Queen is a supreme champion in her own right. Be proud of private education. Nadim Zahawi, Zahawi the uh, Education Secretary, accuses Oxbridge of tribalism. Daily Express, again, once again, a photograph of the Queen adorns the front page. Beaming Queen's jolly good show. Nice to see a photograph of, photograph of her on her feet as well in her famous, almost iconic headscarf. Exclusive. Curbs on two-for-one deals dropped to ease the cost of living squeeze. PM scraps ban on cheap food after revolt. Boris Johnson is scrapping plans to ban cheap deals on unhealthy foods in a move to help struggling families. And last but not least, the Daily Star. Tractor porn MP tosses his hat back into the ring. Four. Look at the quick release hydraulic coupling on that. The second coming. Shamed Tory MP Neil Parrish caught ogling porn in Westminster, says he may stand for re-election. And no, that is not a typo. And those are your front pages. 
Dana, let's kick off with that story in Saturday's Express. A junk food is going to be available because of the cost of living crisis. Yeah, so the UK is delaying a ban on supermarket junk food deals in a, pre, in a pre-watershed ad. So basically it's let them eat crisps, isn't it? Mm. So I think it's really interesting that we're playing the politics of Okay, we don't want people to be dealing with obesity and everything like that. But the real issue is you got to follow the money, as I believe, is he doesn't want to lose a potential uh, $400 million in advertising dollars that a lot of these companies um, do invest. If you look at some of the numbers, let me take a look. It's big business, isn't it's it? It's huge business. It's about $600 million spent by brands on food and advertising online and on TV annually. So... You can pretend that this is for the people, but mm, follow the money. Well, you're right. It's tax revenue. It's the same argument around smoking that the government say, we don't want you to smoke, but they make billions from the fact that we do. And gambling as well. Yeah, or gambling might be the worst. Right? Gambling, yeah. alcohol, there's so many things that were illegal. Well, they're not my hobbies. I mean, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> and tractoring. Um, of so course, right. is, as well, because there was a, a sort of um, a legal action was going to be against the government as well by Kellogg's, uh, the, big, the big guys, uh, such as Cocoa Pops and Special K. Uh, it's got a little bit of fruit in, you, you know the one. Very uh, healthy. Exactly. Very healthy. By the way, I love the fact that you've explained Kellogg's. One third of one a day. Yeah, yeah, it will, <laughs> will do enough for you. But, but it's interesting that, that that was obviously going to be an action against the government, so saving some, some money there. And everybody loves a bog off. I don't know about you guys, but yeah, I love a bog off. Hugely. And the idea is, to, the whole initiative to, to cut back uh, on this supermarket junk food was to empower adults uh, and obviously help younger people have healthier lives. But at the same time, you know, we can make those decisions ourselves and a bog off is just fantastic. And you know what we'll have at the end of the day? Poor fat people. Yeah. I at mean, this is the, the issue that it's a perverse uh, It's a reality, issue that, though. That, 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 you know, and it's a reversal of what happened historically. It was previously the rich who would, who would be overweight, conspicuous consumption, and now it's the poorest who have the worst health and, and the, the biggest waistline. Mm. I mean, the issue you've got, Tom, uh, is that we're in this cost of living, living crisis and it's just not possible, is it, for the government to make it harder for people to buy food? That's the thing. No, and, and on a on a surely uh, sort of simply a, a, a human level, no. When times are tough, don't don't make it even tougher for for lower socioeconomic backgrounds or, or people that are struggling to go out there into the supermarket and buy enough food to get through. And also because it is sad times, everything's going on. You want to have a little bit of a thrill uh, when it comes to food. That's one way of the enjoyment. We, in the lockdown, hey, our shopping bills went up because we were like let. Let's get through this. But actually, cynically, it's a way of them keeping the vote, uh, potentially. And, and that's what I'm, I'm finding. What I will warn you, warnings from the new countries. <laughs> you can get things like pastry in this country, pastry rolls done for about a pound. That costs you already in the United States $7. So, you know, it's a real, if you can buy a head of, like when I came to this country, I'm like, 45p for a head of broccoli. I mean, I felt like people pay up, up, up to £3.50, sorry, $3.50 just for a head of broccoli yeah. in North America. So wow. keep that in mind. I think making healthier foods more cost effective might also be another way to go. Well, in Tom and Dana, we've got two for the price of one. I think they agree. <laughs> Excellent value. Saturday's Guardian now and the start of some semblance of justice in response to Russian war crimes, Tom. Yeah, amen to what you just said there. My, I mean, the first Russian soldier goes on trial in Ukraine for war crimes. Uh, Vadim uh, Shishmarin uh, accused of killing a civilian on the 28th of February while fighting uh, in North East Ukraine. And uh, like you say, I feel like this is the beginning of a bit of justice. It's, it's um, a, a propaganda 
step in the right direction yeah. for Ukraine to start saying, you know, you know, those that, that cause these atrocities are, are going to face the consequences. And then I look at this 21-year-old, potentially had a whole life ahead of him. Um, people will obviously, obviously be very quick to say, well, you know, he didn't take the orders. He was given those orders. Well, name and shame those that, that are, are giving those orders. Yeah, and you're right to, to, to actually mention the sort of the, the, the very public nature of this trial. And hopefully some of that gets back to Russia uh, the people of Russia who, who are seeing what's happening in their name and possibly other soldiers too, because we know, don't we, that Putin's men and women have been quite equivocal in, in their sort of engagement with this war. I mean, we've seen, haven't we, soldiers disappear, mm. um, sell equipment to Ukrainians and surrender in, in, in their numbers. Mm. Yes, and I think this is something that we should really pay attention to. What they're trying to do right now is they are trying this young man in real Time. If you look back at World War II, people were being tried after the war, right? So people yeah. had those chances to escape through the Vatican and into yes. Argentina and all of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think what's really interesting to note is that they haven't officially declared war. And because they haven't done that, they can't conscribe people. Mm. So Russians are starting to figure out that they don't actually have to go to war. They can't be punished with a jail sentence for deciding to abstain because it's not actually a war, it's just a military operation. Yeah, and another important step, hopefully, in the defeat of Putin. Saturday's Mirror Now, and news to cheer even the most staunch Republican. The Queen is back, Dana. The Queen is back, and she gets a huge cheer as she walks into the arena at the Royal Windsor Horse Show with a stick. I mean, I think everybody would like to believe that she was smiling for them, but we know how much she likes horses. The woman is 96 years old, and I mean, she's done a remarkable job. I don't think any Anybody would argue with that. And you know, if I could, if I could wish anything for the Queen, would be just 10 years of peace. You know what I mean? I know. Maybe do some mushrooms on a beach in Thailand. <laughs> Discover yourself. Swim with some baby elephants. You don't elephants. mean portobello mushrooms from Waitrose. Of course I no, mean they're portobello mushrooms. They're too big. They of course I that. mean portobello mushrooms. What, what are you talking about? <laughs> what else could I mean? But, uh, you know, I really hope that she gets that chance to enjoy her life. Because 96 and people are still, what is she doing? Is she coming? Is she coming? I know what you mean. Leave the I, poor woman alone. And also all the, the soap opera around her family as well, which she could do without. Oh, totally. Give the woman a break. She deserves a break. Yeah. Do you think maybe she grows mushrooms in Highgrove? I wonder about that. I, I think so. And and I like the fact that maybe that stick is used uh, to help as a gardening aid uh, in, in some respect. But 96, <laughs> as, as uh, Dana says, is an incredible innings. I mean, I just hit uh, 56, my highest in cricket. Uh, and I just dream <laughs> of 96. I had another 40 runs. But it, do you but dream of that? that? No, I genuinely do. But that's that's about me. Is that what and, I will, and I will raise the bat if I do get a time Oh, nicely year, done. Uh, to, to the and it, well, if I have enough portobello <laughs> mushrooms. Um, I will say this, though, the, the, the idea that, you know, stepping aside uh, because of those episodic mobility problems and letting uh, Prince Charles uh, take over, a little bit dull. Done it enough times, right? And I'm suggesting nice little uh, horse royal show and back in a winner, uh, cash that in. It's a great doubt. So it's, it's enjoyable to see her enjoying her life again. You know? Doesn't it Too kind right. of remind you though in the beginning of The Simpsons when Maggie's driving with Marge and she's driving the little wheel and you let her think she's driving <laughs> It is driving to feel a little bit car. like that. That's what Because <laughs> she's not going to be, uh, horse and carriage is not going to happen anymore. Going to upgrade to a, to, uh, to a four by, to a Something motorized Something renewable. Car. Something yes. renewable, I'm sure. Yeah, and that's going to have a cup holder as well. And maybe a magazine for how to grow mushrooms in your garden. That's a great shout. Dana, you are a Canadian. I am. So she's technically your queen too. Yes, she is what we would call a figurehead. Mm. Yes, she doesn't have any real power. 
No. So she's is she is she officially Canada's head of state? Officially, she is head of state, but I think she's wise enough to kind of stay apolitical. She can't like start wars or anything like that in Canada. Well, she can't. I mean, could she invade America as 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 head of state of Canada? Um, I think she that would have to go through Parliament. I don't think she would, has a would that, unilateral would that maneuver decision on enjoy that. Your, would it enjoy your support? <laughs> I think it's time. It? Once we sorted out Ukraine, I think we take America back. I think there's easier ways to destroy yourself. <laughs> Alexander, are you in? Well I, well, I remember the the celebrations where she was on that lovely boat just down the Thames. I think that could be a good boat to use. To, when to Johnny Rotten was, cha- was chasing <laughs> her. <around. laughs> we should get that across uh, to the States. But, you know, it is good. Like, you see that picture on a newspaper for tomorrow. You know, good days and less good days. This is a good day. You know, she'll enjoy that. And the next time that I was mentioning the trooping the colour, she's going to be in a four by four. So she's rolling now. She is. She is rocking it. Uh, Tom, let's talk about Twitter and Elon Musk. This in the Express. Yeah. Elon Musk uh, suspends Twitter takeover, sending shares plummeting after demanding probe. Um, And basically, this is we're talking about Elon Musk, 92.7 million followers. Uh, When Elon talks, the world listens and he's decided to step back uh, from this takeover uh, and by doing so, uh, maybe cynically or not cynically, shares have been plummeting for Twitter. And it's all about him deciding uh, potentially how many spam bots are there on Twitter, how many real people or or, or those. So what is a spam bot? Well, I don't want it to happen because I would lose a lot of my followers. You're going to keep those people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it, it's, it's false information. That's essentially what, you know. You've fake, got accounts. fake accounts. Fake accounts. Uh, so you're being followed by something that doesn't exist. Ex- so exactly. you can't advertise to that market because they're not a real person, right? right. right. But, but they can get on board if you use them in the right way to uh, use the message or go in a, a narrative that they want to. Uh, but I, I feel like with this, you know, we need to ask the spam bots uh, what, what they want to do in it. But basically, Elon Musk has got this situation where he wants to take over Twitter, but he's put it on hold. And is it a cynical move by him to get a cheaper Twitter? Uh, I think it's a little bit more obvious than that. I mean, you said when when, El- when Elon speaks, the truth is that the value of stocks change, right? Mm. And you have to note, of course, he has the 92.7 million followers. So what I really think he's doing is testing the markets yeah. to see what he can get away with. Um, there's no reason that he couldn't investigate these spam bots or the uh, 5% I mean, some people would say, go figure. It's obvious that at least 5% of the accounts are spam bots. You probably don't even need to check that. It's a given, isn't it? I feel like he's testing the waters. And I think they're also looking at um, his, he's, he's lost some, his Tesla shares have shrunk by 38 billion, I believe. So he may not have that money. Well, they're worried that he, he'll be concentrating on Twitter and not building enough cars. Because, I mean, this guy's got SpaceX... Tesla, and he's thinking of taking on Twitter. Uh, What about the argument that if he doesn't buy Twitter, that's bad news for free speech? Is he going to let Donald Trump back on? That's my question. Because there's how, how free does speech need to be? Like, do you well, free enough argument, to march he, it down to the Capitol and start some trouble? Tom, Tom, it's, it's, it's the risk of further incitement of violence. That, that's what happened uh, in the US Capitol January 6th, that riot. And that's why Donald Trump was taken off it. Elon Musk believes in look, it, extremely rare that someone should be banned for life. There can be reformists. People can change. But, but I think in that free speech and on Twitter, it can be a dangerous ground and, and the wrong messages can get out there. 92.7 million. Yeah, yeah. But, but Elon yeah. Musk is able to do that by just posting one tweet and it See, changes the stock uh, market. I hear what you're saying about the, the Capitol riots, which was the true low point in American history. And I'm no Donald Trump cheerleader. But Elon Musk's argument is that if you keep Trump off Twitter, 
the hard right, the nutters, the extremists will just join him on another platform. And that actually what you want is to... And then he can't to... capitalise. Well, well the, the argument is that you, you create, you know, more echo chambers. And his argument is that Twitter is like the town square and this is where everyone should debate things and let Trump do his tweets and let him be exposed to public opinion, you know, rather than go off to a, a fringe operation who could, be, who could be more toxic. I mean, give me a break. You think Trump is sitting there responding to 200,000 responses to whatever name thing he decides to tweet? I mean, he lives in an echo chamber. He creates one for himself. What do you think about that argument, though? I mean, that's Musk's argument. I don't think he's a fan of Trump, but he thinks it was a big mistake cancelling Trump from Twitter permanently. I think maybe Elon Musk could be the answer for those... Um, basically, when it comes down to Twitter, how do you control that free speech? How do you control that Wild West? And by not having Donald Trump in there, you're giving him a platform somewhere else, like exactly like you say. So have him there and then bring in sanctions that Elon Musk will have power to potentially do with Twitter if he changes it. I don't know how he's going yeah, to do that. I mean, he my... has the power. Like, why shouldn't a human rights lawyer be looking at something like this? Who is Elon Musk to be making these big decisions? Yeah, well, I suppose what he wants to do is just uh, lift the parameters around free speech. I think his argument is anything goes that's within the law. I think that's his view. Mm. Whereas what you've seen from platforms like Twitter is that they've gone beyond the law into what they're calling misinformation, which is quite a subjective term, isn't it? Well, yeah, how do you control company. it? They can, mm. they can manage whoever they want on their pro platforms. That's their interesting. prerogative. Yeah. yeah, very interesting debate. Well, we watch with interest whether he will get that share price down and whether he is, as Dana says, just being rather canny. Saturday's Telegraph next and another group of people aren't very happy with Keir Starmer, Dana. Yes, it looks like he's pulling a little bit of a fast one on the people of Wakefield who are, and he might be facing a rebellion from the people as local candidates are snubbed for remainers. So Keir Starmer faced a major mutiny in Wakefield on Friday as local campaigners resigned en masse over him parachuting in two Remainer cam candidates for the upcoming uh, by-election. So they want to be represented by people in their community, and it looks like mm. those people have been taken off of the ballot. Mm. It just seems to me, Tom, that Keir Starmer doesn't get it, that those red wall seats voted, you know, in their numbers, in their millions, for Brexit... There was the 2019 election, which was, you could argue, a second referendum because, you know, Boris's, Boris Johnson's whole manifesto was get Brexit done. And yet Keir Starmer cracks on with Remain candidates in the north. It's, it's not a great look, is it, for him? No, the, the people of Wakey, uh, I've been, I've gigged, uh, it's a brilliant place. And, and that they feel shunned and they don't think, they don't feel heard. Mm. And that's the problem of that area. The Tories came in after, as you say, it was a red wall area. And now they want to be heard. They put three candidates forward and it feels like the Labour Party and Keir Starmer have, uh, so Keir have, have said, actually... As much as you want that person from your area that might know it better than anybody else, we've got these two people that we're going to parachute in. And I think mm. that's, that just shows that you're not listening to the people that are going to vote for you. And I, it, it, it's a bad look. It's a really bad look. And I don't know how you're going to build those bridges between those old red walls. Welcome back to Headliners, a first look at tomorrow's papers. I'm Mark Dolan and I'm joined by the double comedy threat that are Dana Alexander and Tom Deacon. And let's go to Saturday's Times now. This one uh, in the Times. I heard you backstage vehemently agreeing with the premise of this article, Dana. Oh, so we're talking about the white private school, white private school boys are the new disadvantaged, says Cambridge academic. For them, hey? 
Oh, my gosh. It's so sad. They can't buy their way into a better life. And it's an expensive price. We just looked at how much it costs to actually send your child to Eaton. Full boarding for three terms is 48,500 pounds. And we have to remember when it comes to Oxbridge, I think, what, what is it, like two-thirds of their students are pumped through a lot of these private institutions? Mm, so, they have, so basically, they, tr- they tried to tie the system up for themselves, and things are starting to unravel because I think at the end of the day, you're going to have to compete with everybody. Yeah, mm. yeah, for sure. Although the question, I suppose, Tom, is whether these universities start to actually discriminate against kids from the private sector, mm. even if their grades are higher. I'll, I'll take this one. Uh, Dana, uh, because I did some research into it and uh, what they're going to do is take away your your name so that you can't already discriminate against you based on your name. So there'll be uh, no title, you'll just see the grades. It's about being academic um, and and therefore if you take away the name... Of the school or the person? The person. So the, the, no Bartholomew <laughs> Winston. Oh, I'm talking <laughs> about, is it posh names? Is that yeah, the issue? I think so. I think what that's is what the, the posh name? Bartholomew oh, I Fitzroy. See. Yeah. yeah, something with maybe a double-barreled surname in there, and you can't discriminate against them. So you're looking purely at what they've achieved through their education, what grades they've got, what work, uh, and then you'll meet them in person. That's another way of getting into university, and that's when you can see uh, the person for themselves. Uh, whether you agree with, with this, private schools are being the new disadvantage or not, but it hopefully will maybe mean that universities might actually have to invest in in the people who they are rather than just their background and everything else that goes about them. Yeah, I mean, is this, you know, if you start to discriminate against these private start. institutions, right? I mean, actually, they have that's a his- not... the long history of discrimination, right. don't they? No, 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 but actually Oxford and Cambridge have, have for many years favoured state school children in order to sort of balance but out before that, their representation. There, there, were new right? me- there were new measures that were brought in to mm. say, hey, we need, so say if you're the first person in your family to go to university, they'll look at lower grades to, to get you in. Yeah. I think that's a great initiative to, to make it a more diverse uh, experience mm. university, which, hey, for me, when I went to university, it was all about networking. That's, it wasn't necessarily about my grades. It was that university, meet the people you're going to get to know in the rest of your life. And, and it is favoured towards those who come from a better stock, because then you're going to get to hang around with those, those people going forward. But I guess they will start to be disadvantaged because you have to have a more broad range of people coming into that university. Is there any diminution, though, of the the quality of, the, of output that these universities are achieving? Because surely the best university in the world will be the one that just takes the highest grades. It doesn't need to see what school you came from, what your surname is. It's just like, we take everyone that's got A star. But it's not... But the, uh, isn't, that what, isn't that the point of Oxford, Cambridge, Stanford, Yale, Harvard? Yeah, but it's about the person as well. There's a lot of, about the, not just your, you know, what... In the learned part, the, the social skills, the people that can elevate in society afterwards. Let's yeah. look at the potential of two people, right? Bob and Stanley, or sorry, Bartholomew. <laughs> and we know where Bartholomew comes through. Bartholomew gets a tutor. Bartholomew gets 50000 invested in his education every single year. Of course, Bartholomew should be producing more. Then, you know, perhaps Simon, who has a single mother, has to look after his brother after school. That doesn't mean that Simon has any less potential than Bartholomew. And I think Mm. that's what's happening because we do see an underrepresentation historically of women, of people of color. So they're trying to redress that. And I think it's very interesting to note how quickly they notice the discrimination when they're discriminated against. Oh, yeah, how fast they are to act. I think that's act. a fair point. And actually, uh, from your example, Dana, Simon is much better to have a drink with uh, afterwards, after lecture. So actually, yeah. I want to hang out with more Simons. So, yeah, and no, Simon. no pig heads involved. <laughs> no. <laughs> 
I don't understand the drinking games from the... Simon the... knows a place you can get into at four in the morning, Exactly. He, as well? Networking. It's about the people. Take off your tie. <laughs> what tie? Yeah. And he knows someone called Mr Z who has portobello mushrooms. Yeah, on speed dial. Yeah. And, but that, that's the thing. I think this is a great idea in as much as you're just looking at the individual, not necessarily their, their background or... Potential. Poten potential. And that's what university is, to, to get the best scholars, the best people who can who can excel. Well, if we look at the BBC, for example, and you know, God bless we the BBC, to. well, you know, they, they have an over-representation of people that are Oxbridge, right? Mm. And I feel like a lot of the country doesn't feel, they, they think that these people are most suited, fair point. right, to this job, but I feel like there's a lot of people in this country that feel disconnected from those people. Yeah. Mostly because they I, can't afford to I, be around I, I them. I think you're right, and I think even the perception of political parties as well, that the issue Labour have is that they're perceived as this sort of London metropolitan party now, which is something that Keir Starr is going to have to address if he's mm. going to win the next election. But we will lose, this is the, the thing though, as Britain, we will lose some of these really, you know, well-educated uh, guys and girls that are heading uh, not to their first uh, choice of university. They're going to be going to America. So we're going to lose... Brain drain. With that's a already brain drain. That's already happening. You guys don't even know about it. As soon as Brexit came, even Canada was headhunting your professionals. And that's why American football's Trust coming over here now. We're trying to get them all over. Get, get them back. Yeah. Oh, let's talk about grades. Let's stay on university, Tom, because Saturday's Guardian and talking about a rise in the number of first-class degrees. Yeah, uh, it, it, that's a first. That's what they're uh, proclaiming. A proportion of students getting top degrees doubles in a decade, report shows. Uh, and essentially, what we're saying is a report by the Office for Students uh, warns grade inflation. Uh, this means 40% of uh, those uh, doing their exams are getting uh, a first. And we can't have that, Mark. And that's 38% uh, up from 16%. Exactly. The, 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 the and it's whole, down to COVID. It's the, down to COVID. Well, the whole yeah. point, I mean, understandably, you would take, take account, wouldn't you, for interrupted education. Mm -hmm. And there, I think leniency is understandable. We've seen that for GCSEs and A-levels. But we don't want to demean what a first is, do we? That's, no. that's bad for society, oh. surely. I think, let's be real, they don't want to refund those tuitions. You think they're keeping students happy by giving them good grades? Oh, come on. You gotta, you, honestly, if, they, if you're not going to give a kid a proper education, just don't offer it. But they took the tuitions. They have to produce. Sorry, it's too much money. Mm. And that's I think almost, they, they that's might, corruption, isn't and, it, almost? Would yeah, you say? well, they're facing fines potentially of £500,000 if they do not rein in the grades. But you know what? They can probably afford that. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, no detriment. That was the, the idea, the policy that came in to say, look, COVID, lockdowns, it's obviously had an effect on everything. But it, when you look at it, if Bartholomew has not got in to Cambridge or Oxford and has to go to a second university that he didn't want to after a pull, it's going to be furious if he doesn't get that first. <laughs> too right. Uh, well, they weren't very lenient when I got my 2-2. Next up. <laughs> Saturday's independence, and I'm beginning to regret purchasing those tickets to the Qatar World Cup final, Tom. Oh, why would you be worried about... Look, I mean, it is, it is awful what's happening. FIFA will cancel <laughs> World Cup contracts of any Qatar hotels that reject same-sex couples. Uh, basically, an investigation has found that three FIFA-approved hotels refuse to accept a reservation request from a gay couple. And the whole idea of, of FIFA that we know is squeaky clean and legit uh, through and through uh, have basically said that they, they found a Norwegian, a Swedish and a Denmark. It sounds Wait, like it's getting a joke. I was yeah. wondering, where's this going? have <laughs> found that out of 69... Uh, FIFA-approved hotels, only 33 would 69. accept... 69? Well, this is what I was about to uh, say. Family show, Tom Deacon. <laughs> Very conveniently, they've 69. Qatar, you've done it to yourselves. But um, Sorry, I'm, I'm trapped in a loveless marriage. Why are you laughing? 
because it's hilarious. You might be too tall for the position. The point is, maybe you can show me diagrams later. Of course, I've made some drawings. Thirty-three. This is shocking. This is shocking. But it, hey, it's a cultural uh, and religious differences of Qatar. What did you expect of that country? And you're trying to accommodate and try and make sure that everyone is able to go. That's what FIFA wants. Sanctions will happen. Fines will will be placed, and and we'll see. Because I want to see a 2022 World Cup where everyone's able to go. For me, this is just more evidence, Tom, that the World Cup should not be happening in this country. We shouldn't have World Cups in countries that don't share our values. I would agree with that. And I think when you actually consider who's taking these bookings, we have to remember that homosexuality is illegal in Middle Eastern countries. So whoever was taking that booking would be expected to turn that away, right? So basically, they're breaking their own laws for the sake of the pink dollar. And I think if we're really, I think if- Is that another position, by the way? What do you mean another pink dollar? No, that's the gay, gay people bring a lot of money into the economy. It's called the pink dollar. So you don't want to turn them away thinking actually- What comes first, the 69 or the pink dollar? (laughs) (laughs) That remains to be seen. What I do think is important though, is when you do have businesses that don't support who you are, that you don't support them, full stop. Name and shame the establishments that made these bands and don't bring don't bring your business there because you want to have these couples actually have a pleasant experience when they stay there. Yeah, and and obviously uh, Qatar have said, a uh, uh, spokesman said, we simply ask for people to respect our cultural norms, but also emphasize the strong culture of respect for individual, uh, individual privacy. And also just don't show Strong affection. They're not. They're not a nation to show, which is going to be really difficult. any affection. Yeah, even it, between men and heterosexual women. Heterosexual, yeah. I mean, whatever. But that's going to be really difficult if your your nation scores a goal. You can't Physical turn to your affection. friend, uh, and you know, I've been known to go to football and kiss my mates. Like it's just not on the lips, but just in the in the passion of that moment. That's you might get difficult. away with that if it was a male for some reason. I've seen men hold hands, and it's not a problem, and it's not even a, a gay thing. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Don't show any affection. I'll take Mrs. Dolan. In a day of incredibly important and impactful news, I'm not sure why this one wasn't top of our agenda. That's right, it's Kendall Jenner cutting a cucumber, Dana. First of all, who is Kendall Jenner? Kendall Jenner is the uh, daughter of Kris Jenner and Caitlyn Jenner, right? So I think she is the second to last child that took up a job, like a modeling job. So let's face it, she doesn't eat. But my God, she can't cut a cucumber. She, if this was the cucumber, she literally held her hand like this and held it down. And I just was watching Kris Jenner just watch her child like, I failed just you. Just take a look. So she's I, having a major cooking fail. Look at her, look at, look at Kris Jenner's face. Oh, she's like, I failed you. Mum's not happy. <laughs> but she was just, well, the thing is about Chris, it, just before this, she said, look, I'll get the private chef to, to make you a snack. And Kendall was like, no, no, I, I got this. And Gordon Ramsay would be furious about that technique, but I actually implore her for giving it a go. That's not her skill. She's She's gone out there. Social media has said, what is this insane attempt? It's an her, insane attempt. Do you but, think her evil mom set her up for that moment? Yeah, it looks Surely a bit, she knew she, looked, that she couldn't cut a cucumber. You're you know so what I mean? Right. <laughs> she was expecting that. And what's so worse, shady. What's worse, it was, it was a bog off. There were two uh, cucumbers to get through, um, of, of course. Uh, but yeah, it, it's... It, it's a mockery of cutting a cucumber, but at the end of the day, I, I implore her for giving it a go. It's not her skill set. And maybe the chef should have come in and said, look, Kendall, this is how you do it. Perhaps that's not what she normally does with a cucumber. Do you know what? I would love to be a private chef that was working for a girl who was too stupid to cut a cucumber. Imagine what you could charge. <laughs> so we've got the 69, we've got the cucumber, and we've got the pink dollar, have we? <laughs> Are you taking a list? I am, really. I've got ideas for later. <laughs> 
Welcome back to Headliners, a first look at tomorrow's papers with me, Mark Dolan, tonight in the company of Dana Alexander and Tom Deacon. Now let's uh, kick off in this section with the Express, Sun Saturday's Express, I should say. And finally, someone is shining a light on the real issues, the constant and unrelenting sexual harassment of bald men. Tom. Finally. Um, I mean, it's a day in history for those that are at an impasse with their own hair follicles. Um, calling a man bald at work is a form of sexual harassment. Rules, employment tribunal. Um, basically, calling a man bald is the, at work is equivalent to commenting uh, on the size of a woman's breast and a form of sexual what harassment. What about in an emergency situation? You're like, he's about to burn up. You're like, the man with... Less hair! <laughs> what are you saying? Yeah. There's a fire. Don't you dare sexual harassment me right now. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it's, 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 it's baffling. Um, the False of, equivalency. Yeah, the Vin Diesel, The Rock, Bruce Willis, all of these people can now be, be happy on set um, and knowing that they're not the, going to... You guys are men. How do you guys feel about receding? Horrific. Get over it. Women really don't notice. No. Just have a funeral. No Come one. on. You know what we notice is when you try to hang on. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. There is that. That's when we start to notice. If you just let it go, there are so many bald men that have no problems in this world. Just take a look. Yeah, but what about stand-up gigs that we, we perform at? There will be an audience member in there just going, oh, I thought you were going to pick on... The bonnet? No, because no, it's sexual harassment you, now. Because half of you are bald. Yeah. But you've got nothing to worry about because you've got an excellent mane. Well, it's interesting. My, my, my dad's bald and, I, and I, you obviously worry about going bald if you're, your dad's bald and then you have to look at the lineage and then I'm obviously going to go bald because my mum's bald. Um, but, uh, so, That's so just I, testosterone, so, isn't it, with your mum? Yeah, and I worry that I have none. So the thing is with this is I don't, I don't, I, I think it is the fear, like Dana says, that men will go bald. And, and in the workplace, Maybe we've not known. Uh, Women will date a murderer in jail, okay? That's a good point. <laughs> the actually, bar is so low. Actually, a bald murderer in jail. <laughs> totally. Le Levi Belfield is completely Joe, hairless. Was it Joe Exotic just got re-engaged, okay? Yeah. Joe Exotic. That's but I think, great news. I think this is a great thing for bald men. They, yeah. they don't have to live in fear now at work that someone's going to have a, a go at them, you know? Can, can I say the issue? Everyone says, shave it off because look at Bruce Willis. I think you don't know what you're going to look like until it comes off. So you might be a Bruce Willis. Get a bald cap. But you might be a William Hague. Because some people suit the baldness, but others don't. The, vo the voice is what puts, I think, people off with William. you got to own it? it. But don't you think I you need, like, you a, need a big head. head, don't you? I don't think my, my head is large enough. I don't think there's the volume to carry off a baldness. Well, why don't we find out? Come on then, get the scissors. <laughs> I have used scissors before on telly. Um, let's crack on with our next story. The Ooh. Guardian now and Dana, more on the unfair treatment men get in our society. This time, Peter Andre and his, uh, well, his intimate parts, his, his reproductive organs. Yeah, so this is a libel case against uh, Rebecca Vardy, who has claimed that quotes attributed to her by News of the World in an interview about... Peter Andre were made up by the tabloid newspaper. And of course, this is uh, referring to his man parts as uh, a chipolata. Come on, why make a bigger deal out of this than it is? And who doesn't like a chipolata? Yeah, the cracky twist of sausage, yeah. Isn't it? They're packed full of flavour. Um, it, 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 <laughs> it is worrying this for Rebecca Vardy, what she's going through day four of the trial uh, to, to clear her name. Um, it's just really interesting. That, that whole thing about Peter Andre, she said, I haven't spoken to him, but I have sent his wife and him messages a couple of years ago. I'm like, What's in the messages? No highlight of that. And it's different sausages. I should have chosen these ones. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's, just, it's just an interesting 
take on... It, I'm it, a chorizo! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Extra spicy. Um, I, I don't know what Peter Andre's take on this whole thing, but, well, but it's made tiny, up A tiny penis will haunt you for the rest of your life. That's what I'm trying... But you know what? There's only one way to find out, isn't it? Correct. Yeah, Peter Andre should, should prove, you know... That she's lying. Right. Prove that she's lying. <laughs> <laughs> Should there be a reveal? Well, I mean, come on. If you're going to take her to court over it, you got to prove something. Yeah, yeah. but... Right? But, but she's lost all evidence. Lost a phone in the North Sea. Uh, WhatsApp messages were deleted by accident. It, it, it's, it seems harrowing for Rebecca Vardy. There's been crying. There's been tears. She feels like she's been bullied in court. But she's trying to clear her name. And this is... Just don't go to court with this. Just say, no. look, I'm right. I don't need to be proved right in court. Just save yourself all the hassle. Do you think just for, like, the nation's closure that it should be a matter of, I don't know, even Parliament could debate the size of Peter Andre's manhood? You're really going down the Chipolata route, aren't you? You're sticking with this. I I just wonder whether, I mean, for example, could there be a sort of dignified moment during the court case when Peter Andre is is in the dock and perhaps, you know, a respected TV medic like Hilary Jones could come on and just measure? Mm. And then we know. That would be... Bit, I mean, That's in, what I was trying to say. Would that do it? <laughs> in, in his song, Mysterious Girl. I think that would Girl. be a gig for Hillary Jones. <laughs> Why not? If she's looking for work, great. The, the idea that Mysterious Girl, he wants to get uh, to know you, he wants to get real close. He's going to have to with a chipolata. But, that, but, it is, but it is unfortunate for both of them. And I think Rebecca Vardy, like, if it is a chipolata, hey, tell the world. Chipolata, pink dollar. Uh, there's a number as well. For You're learning a whole it. bunch of new Portobello words today. mushrooms. Yes. Next up, Saturday's male and renowned hoarder Imelda Marcos is in the news, Tom. Yeah, uh, missing 125 million Picasso is spotted in video of Imelda Marcos's house uh, as she congratulates newly elected president uh, Sun uh, Bongbong. Or, or is it just a copy of Commission Hunts for her 8 billion of stolen loot? Um, essentially, we all learned during uh, that lockdown uh, or several different lockdowns, uh, don't be very careful, blur the background. Uh, and um, you find stuff. I found out my mate stole a pint glass during a quiz uh, that was mine. And I oh. found that out, you know. But it, it's about a particular painting of a Picasso, the reclining woman, for uh, it was hanging in the living room and busted. It's one of those, or is it? Or is it the real one? Or is it a fake one? We, we don't know. Yeah, it's a shocker, isn't it? Uh, gangsters often get caught out on Facebook, don't they, when they're photographed with wads of notes or showing off Rolexes. Mm. You know, conspicuous consumption, isn't it? It's that, like, hey, yeah. look at me. And uh, it's just like, hide the Picasso before the press come round. Um, good advice for anyone. Saturday's Mail now, uh, again, and Netflix have laid the smackdown to their staff, Dana. Yes, Netflix has laid the smackdown to their staff. So basically what they're trying to say is that there are no censor-specific artists or voices, even if... Employees do consider the messages harmful. Of course, we can hearken back to uh, the Dave Chappelle special, right? Yeah. Where I think there was a big protest when it came to, you know, the question of what uh, are trans women women, right? And we, mm-hmm. I, we can go back to the joke if we want to, but I don't know if we really, really have time to do that. And I think if we look at what's happening with Netflix is I think they're doing a similar thing to what Elon Musk is doing, which is we're going anti-woke, whatever that means, right? So they can actually cash in on that market because there is a a viable market with that. Because when you look at Disney+, Plus, Amazon, Now TV, they are losing shares at 
an alarming rate. And uh, what was it? Stocks have dissolved, nosedived, nosedived in the last six months from nearly $700 to as low as 166 yesterday, despite a slight rise of 174 in pre-market trading. So I think they're just doing whatever they can. Well, is this proof of the adage, go woke, go broke? Well, no, I don't think so. I mean, it's a tactic that I don't think lasts if you're going anti-woke to make money, surely that's the natural... Consequence. Well, they're going to have to look at a lot of their other programming, which is exceptionally woke. I'm sure you've seen 13 and all of the, these yeah. other ones. So, I mean, it's going to be a bit of a contradiction if they do try to go down that route. Isn't the big problem, Tom, with these streaming giants, the, the business model itself? Because Netflix has to commission more and more lavishly produced programs, mm. expensive talent. And the content is just getting too expensive to make for the available audience. It would appear so. I mean, I'm personally disgusted about how many subtitles I have to get through uh, on, on Netflix. That's, I'm, I'm outraged at how much. But there is, there is so much content you're trying to appeal to a, a wide uh, market. Global market. A global I mean, market. You now speak well, Korean because of lockdown, because, don't you? Because, of, yeah. Uh, yes, I, I do. Squid Game has, has taught me a lot. Um, but but I, I, I like the... I, what I like about Netflix is they're saying, look, they're doubling down. They're saying, listen, we're, if you don't like it, we're trying to go big. And, and as they say, as employees, we support the principle that Netflix offers a diversity of stories, even if we find some titles counter to our own personal values. They're saying, look, Netflix is for everybody. Uh, get on board. And they, they say that they'll put warnings on things and tell you that, hey, you might be offended by this. I'd avoid but, this. But what if, what if your position is just like, I don't like black people. I don't like gay people. Are we supposed to take those seriously? And I guess you would equate transphobia with that. I D certainly Dave would. Chappelle. Certainly would. Interesting yep. stuff. Uh, well, the Mirror next and the world-renowned fashion magazine, Vogue, are worried that it could be confused with a village pub, Tom. Yeah, this is, this is true and harrowing. Uh, Vogue <laughs> magazine threatens to sue Cornish village pub of the same name. Uh, basically, they sent a letter uh, to uh, the pub landlord, Mark Graham. Uh, he thought it was initially a joke uh, because it's a Cornish town called Vogue. Um, and obviously, as we know, Vogue, uh, the magazine is all about couture, beauty, culture, uh, living and runway. And uh, I think Mark Graham had a, a runway uh, show coming up for the charity and a scare contest so he was worried about the fashion that was going to happen basically it, it seems like a massive joke but Vogue don't want other people to have the same name this is a massive mistake on their part and it sets a terrible precedent because they actually did have the name first so they can counter sue can't they if you look at the Glee clubs yes. in the UK they sued the American television show, The Glee, and they were successful. So watch out with that one. There might be a countersuit. Because it's a 200-year-old name. It's actually Cornish Vogue. So basically, he sent a letter back to Vogue, who didn't do enough research, and said, listen, um, I'll let you have it on this, this occasion, but no, I will not be ceasing and desisting. And also, well, do you want to attack Madonna as well for her song Vogue? So it, it seems a stupid move from Vogue, and it just obviously really helps this uh, tiny Cornish town of Vogue. Uh, for a bit more trade. and Counter Action. Do you think in order to kind of smooth out the relationship, Anna Wintour, their uh, US editor, is going to go down to the Vogue pub and have a couple of pints of Old Speckled Hen with Big Jim and the, and the boys? Maybe, and I think that would be a great Maybe look. Maybe share some cheese and onion crisps. I suppose you could just see her on her little stilettos trying to manage the cobbles. Yeah. Put your hands around that pint. <laughs>
but but I just I just love the Vogue have sent that letter to this tiny Cornish village pub and said, hey, listen, what 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 are you up to? Is what what do you do here? Is it anything to do with what we do? And they're like, no, you've really misjudged this completely. Completely too right. Um, speaking of misjudgment, I must issue a trigger warning with this next article from Saturday's Mail. It contains some pretty hard hitting science. Dana, over to you. Yes, what your weight says about your dating intentions. Fat people are seen as more interested in long-term relationships, while slim people appear to prefer flings, study finds. I mean, I don't know. Maybe, I mean, if you ask any woman, they, they'll, they'll all tell you they're chubby at the end of the day. And I think no matter what size you are, everybody should have a hotation at some point in their life. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm not really buying this study, to be honest with you, Tom. I'm not having it. It seems like an absolute waste of money, uh, to be honest with you. I feel I sound like my dad there. What a waste of money this is. But yeah, look, the the, the studies, who does this help? Uh, I have no idea. Men obviously uh, have been perceive women in high heels as more attractive than those in flat shoes. That, that's something they found. Uh, Brilliant. And, and, and it's just, it's just, it's painful. I mean, well, uh, grazers tend to be those uh, that are, are, are smaller in stature. And I wonder if they test this across cultural lines because I know a lot of big girls in Jamaica that are having a good old time. There you go. You see, and that's uh, that is always a positive uh, point to reflect on. Um, how about this impeccable scientific reporting in the Express? Advanced alien civilization, Tom. Yes, uh, alien breakthrough theory swirls as NASA's curiosity uncovers mystery doorway on Mars. Now, not only about two weeks ago, I watched Matt Damon, uh, The Martian. Uh, great movie. Great movie. He starts growing some plants, but basically they found a doorway which has got um, people very excited about this. That could be a teleporter. It could be something. We've got the photo. Take a look. Oh, it's definitely, look at that. It's a doorway, but but obviously- It's uh, fake like the moon landing, But, but this, what it is. But this has got everyone excited <laughs> about it. And then Sanjeev uh, Gupta, professor of earth science has come in there and just absolutely <laughs> ruined it by saying there is nothing at all strange in the image. These are just normal geological processes. Come on, Sanjeev, have a little bit of fun. Yeah, come on, live a little. Let's live the dream and pretend there is another civilization significantly better than ours. Dana, The Guardian and Rewilding. I love this because this is actually my neighborhood of Enfield. So the group commissioned by Mayor, Mayor Sadiq Khan in early stages of move to bring nature back to the capital. What nature are you going to bring, though? They're bringing <laughs> beavers to Enfield. I'm like, have you Wait been a minute. to... Chipolatas, dollar. Have you been Either. to Enfield? I, oh, I live in Enfield. I, I don't want to, not even that. They have wild boars that are starting to find places I've in Enfield. I've seen them in Tesco. No, I just, I mean, give, a London beaver? What is a London beaver? Well, gonna, you're going to see that, that thing smoking on the side of the well, I think so. I yeah. think this is irresponsible, and I'm going to say it now. Uh, you shouldn't be letting beavers, uh, releasing them into the marshes. Uh, they're the youngest section of scouts, they're age six to eight, and without parental <laughs> guidance, this is gonna be very dangerous. So look out, be careful. Bang on, two rights. Uh, it's all about duty of care to those young beavers. Uh, Tom, let's finish on a story which either, either is inspirational or just a tale of one man's dogged persistence. I think this is perseverance uh, at its finest. Uh, man takes university entrance exam 
for 26th year in a row after refusing to give up on Dream. And that is what I love. Uh, Liang Shi uh, is hoping to score top marks to give him a place at their uh, Sichuan uh, University uh, after missing out since 1983. He wants to go to university. I'm a, I'll be honest with you, like, it ain't, it ain't all that. It really isn't. No. It's been university heavy tonight, but I feel like he shouldn't give up on this dream. Definitely. Get to university. He'll have earned those portobello mushrooms. Well, I, I love how positive you guys are because I was born in 1982 and this man still hasn't passed the test. So I think sometimes you got to <laughs> accept a little bit of failure in life. No, but he can, he can get accepted in, <laughs> get some marks, oh and then refuse God. to go. That's just, like the, just like the movie. Just like the movie. He got it on the 31st try. Okay. But he's going to be the weird guy, 55 years of age. Everyone's young at the, the university, and he's in dorm. Hey, we're bunking together. The definition of insanity is? I think keep doing the same thing, expecting a different outcome. Thank you. Speaking of which, we're back tomorrow at 11 for more headliners. Thanks to the brilliant Tom Deacon, the amazing Dana Alexander, who will both return very soon. Thanks for listening to Headliners, the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you'll never miss an episode again. And if you enjoyed it, leave me a nice comment. Speak to you at the same time tomorrow for the paper review that's never boring. 